Hello, my name is uh, Jan Scruggs. I'm the president and founder of the Na National Vietnam Veterans Memorial. It's on the mall. It's got all the names on it. It's a very famous work of ar architecture worldwide, actually. And uh, I meet a lot of interesting people and, and go to some really nice events. And I was recently in Boston and uh, with uh, General Casey, an Army General retired and uh, some great people. Uh, at the Vietnam War commemoration, and uh, retired General Howard uh, made uh, gave me the opportunity to stand on the uh, pitcher's mound, and and we honored. I was honored along with all the other Vietnam veterans. Uh, very nice thing, but I after th this uh, event, I went to and had I met Trey Smith, and he's got a very interesting story. Uh, he actually died and now he's back. He died on an operating table in Afghanistan. How do you end up on an operating table in Afghanistan? Well, a, a small number of Marines was outnumbered, uh, outflanked and almost out of ammunition. <laughs> so they needed somebody like Trey to show up and bring them ammunition using a device known as a helicopter. So they, he takes his helicopter in there lands it and there was another helicopter or two in this mission and the Taliban and the, uh, you know, they didn't appreciate uh, getting all this help they were getting because uh, the, the, the Marines, they needed bullets, they needed hand grenades, uh, they needed rifle grenades, they needed water, they needed food and, and if everything worked, they would be able to carry the day. So he got them what they needed. And as he was taking off, he was, uh, shot pretty badly and uh and and uh he was shot several times and uh he barely made it but he, he made it back to the the marine corps base and they gave him i think 12 pints of blood and uh although he was dead he sort of came to came back to life completely came back to life and uh, i'd like to for you to tell the people your story, and I appreciate you being here today. Sure, sure. Uh, let's see where to start. Uh, let me start by saying I, th I think you did a very good job summarizing kind of what happened that day. I think there's a, a, a lot of intricacies as far as decision making that occur as, as you go through that, but um, I kind of have a, I, I relate things to music, to songs, to things like that, and and, and one song that comes to mind, and I talk about it quite a bit, is there's a song um, by the Mighty Mighty Boston's that basically goes, have you ever had to knock on wood? It makes me wonder if I could. It makes me wonder if I would. I remember as a child thinking, thinking long and hard about how I would save the day, how I would be the hero, all those other things. So no matter how long you plan for it, no matter what you do to train for it, when it comes, it comes, and, and, and you never really know. Uh, when you have to knock on wood. And, and that day I, I got given an opportunity to do so. Uh, and and can't tell you I made a sound decision. I just made a decision and, and I executed the day. As it comes to, to bear, you, uh, you summarized it. Uh, as I went into the landing zone, I could see bullets whizzing, you know, hitting the helicopter. I could hear them hitting the helicopter. I remember watching RPGs going left and right in front of the helicopter. Uh, what one of the things that I recognized after the event was over, of course, I realized that I, when I was flying the helicopter to go land in the LZ as a natural, natural human response, I was actually ducked down in the helicopter as if I was going to avoid 
avoid the RPGs. Uh, but but the, but the important thing about that is uh, it speaks to the mental will, willpower and, and what actually happened that day. Because if I remember one thing, I knew I was going to land. I knew I was going to give the bullets. And I knew after I'd been wounded that I was going to come back. And I did. And and despite 30 minutes of flight uh, and ble- breathing, bleeding profusely, the inability to fix that or do anything with it in medical care, I still stayed awake and I made it all the way back to the hospital. When I got to when I got to the hospital, um, I, I remember going into the operating room, being triaged, uh, asking irritating questions like who was the president, what day of the week it was, you know, little things like that that, that were specifically irritating. Uh, I remember on my way to the operating room, I had a we were actually in a British hospital on Camp Bastion. And uh, I remember I had a Scottish a Scottish nurse that was talking to me on the way back uh, into the operating room. As we were going back, he was hurrying everybody along, saying that I was going to lose my foot. Um, and and I felt incumbent upon it, you know, to impress upon him that I was shot, I was not blown up, and my foot needed to stay. And while I'm trying to convince him that my foot needed to stay, I started to hear the language that he spoke, the words that he spoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had an awareness in a moment um, of how simple language is. Mm. I, I knew the words he was speaking. I could understand them in many languages throughout the planet. Uh, and I recognized how words uh, ha- have such specific meaning in our, our daily lives, but really they don't convey to anybody uh, the true meaning of what you're trying to say. We go to war over them. We fight over them. We argue over them. We, 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 we leverage our emotions on them. And we really can't communicate as succinctly and well as we could. I remember an emotive response where I understood communication almost as a feeling, as an emotion, and I felt it through people. Um, And I remember resonating on that. And as I was thinking through the communication, I saw the casualty officers show up at my house. I showed them knock on the door. I saw saw my wife. I saw my children. Um, And as I was thinking of it, I was watching the scene play out. And of course, in your mind, you start to think, well, oh, my God. You know, what, what's going to happen to my wife? What's going to happen to my kids? Um, and as I was thinking through it, I heard a voice in my head that basically, you know, because I was thinking, uh, what if she marries again? What if, what if she marries somebody who abuses her, beats her? How am I going to make sure that my kids are okay, right? And you start to feel, fill out your role for what the rest of their life looks like. And as I did this, a voice kind of said to me, okay, so you think someone else is going to be that worse, how great are you? What have you done? And in that moment, I started to see images, visualizations of my life, the things that I did. Truthfully, I got to see who I was um, in, in, in repeated imagery. And the images kept coming. And as they kept coming, I kept hearing this voice say to me, it's okay. It's okay. And my, my mind is just going, well, what about this? Well, what about this? And I got to see all of these things that defined who I was as a person. And as I was thinking this, I kept hearing it's okay. And I started to realize who I really was and who I wanted to be. And I was begging for an opportunity to come back. As the images kept coming, the voice kept saying it's okay. It got faster and faster and faster until it was just a flash of light in a din and just a clear, concise voice that said it's okay. And in an instant, I saw a light that that blanked across the horizon as it was, and a sound, but it really wasn't a sound. It just was a powerful pulse. And in an instant, everything went blank. Mm. 
I couldn't see anything. I couldn't move. It was just emptiness in, in the greatest expanse I've ever known. And in that moment, the only thing that came to my mind was a voice that said, it's okay. The next thing I remember was waking up and seeing ceiling tiles inside the hospital. Oh. Hmm. Now, what did that do to you in your life? How did you recover from that? I mean, was it easy? Was it hard? Is every day a new day? I'm so happy I'm alive. Yeah. Uh, what? Tell us about it. You know, uh, I would say that that after that day, after I, you know, recovered from the hospital, started moving again, got outside, I would tell you that I saw more colors. I saw I saw a focus every day and gratitude and appreciation where I really wanted to walk out into life and I wanted to change things. I want to change my person. I really wanted to have a voice um, and, and, and show people what I now saw. You know, there, there is, you know, as you refer to the Bible, there's a saying in the Bible, once I was blind, but now I'm, now I see. Yes. When you think of that, that parable you think of the ability to see things beautifully, like everything changes and it's all beautiful. And, and really it does. But the ability to have a greater depth and vision is both positive and, and negative. It's the entire spectrum, right? When we think of the ability to see and when Adam and Eve were in, in, the, in the Garden of Eden, when they ate the apple, they got to see and, and, and we were embarrassed and ashamed. It's, it's, it's essentially the same kind of thing. You get to see the whole spectrum. Um, and as I got to see the whole spectrum, I kept focusing on how I could change myself, how I could change my environment, how I could change and communicate with everybody else. Uh, but I also was deeply affected by the other side of the coin and, and how rigid people are, where we are in a social structure and how people really are or are not willing to hear your story and understand where you're coming from. And so I would tell you that I struggled tremendously for about three or four years. Um, lots of self-destructive behaviors, lots of all kinds of things that were, were challenges for my wife and, and challenges for everybody. Um, it took me a very long time to, to, to work through those problems in that process. Yeah. Through the support of many great organizations and, and people who were very close to me, I, I finally worked my way through it. That's really a fantastic and a positive story. And there's a need for people like you. Uh, to tell the stories of things like this, of, of how to overcome obstacles, how to recover from setbacks. I mean, how much bigger of a setback can you have than laying on an operating table? And, uh, you know, you're doing some public speaking and, and recently you, you, somebody offered you some money and uh, you say, okay, I'll, I'll do it. But you gave the money away. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us that, because I think this is a good example. Yeah. You know, I found purpose in my life, not, not just through uh, recovery through sports programs, um, but I have participated in, in many, uh, many fundraising events uh, I, 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 with one organization. I've ridden a bicycle with, you know, 30, 40 other people from Phoenix, Arizona to San Diego uh, to, to raise money. We, we've raised, you know, millions of dollars doing that. I've done that for several years. Um, I got involved in a program where 10 of us, uh, we were in, in, in five pairs. There was an able-bodied cyclist and then a paralyzed cyclist. And we took turns riding for two weeks straight. We started in Camp Pendleton and we drove, rode all the way across the country. So I got the yeah. opportunity to push 
an army, a retired army uh, sergeant. She, she only had the use of one arm. She was at hand cycle. I pushed her a good part of the way across the country. And, you know, over the years, you, you start to have conversations with other people. You start to relate to people on another level and you start to really connect. And, and, and those experiences, those events where you're really putting forth the effort and you're going through the struggle, what you find on the other side, right, is, is healing. It's, it's, it's hope. Hope. Yeah. Did this particular uh, experience make you religious, uh, Catholic, or whatever? You know, growing <laughs> yeah, I, I came from a very religious background. I started off uh, very religious. Um, I would tell you that I still have a core in a religion, um, but what it did is it made me spiritual. It made me incredibly spiritual. And, you know, I think that you know, in my own personal experience, to call it a religion, a, a specific process um, doesn't encompass doesn't encompass where I, where where I've been. Um, do you believe in God? I, I don't. You know, I, I can't say whether I believe in God or not. I heard a voice, but that doesn't mean it's not a spiritual being. It doesn't mean that there's a higher power. It doesn't mean that it's a part of my brain that that wasn't speaking to me on a different level of consciousness. I don't know. Uh, but I absolutely have found an incredibly deeper level of spirituality that I pursue every day. Yeah. And the way you live your life is, uh, is, is significant. The way you give back, the way you help others. And I think you'll be a very successful uh, motivational speaker if you can find the time and have the effort to do the marketing, because it's a story people have to hear. And yeah, there is some sort of a great spirit out there, a God or some sort of energy force that just from time to time uh, intervenes with things that are happening. I, I was, uh, my wife was making my funeral arrangements back in December of 2017. And uh, the doctors at had uh, said I was going to die from endocarditis and uh, I'd been in a coma for 20 days. And then I woke up from the coma and the doctor said, I can't believe this. <laughs> so, but, uh, and I was wounded seriously in the Vietnam war. And, uh, after I was wounded, I said the Lord's prayer. So I do that every day too. Yeah. So, <laughs> I feel yeah. like I'm, I do yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny. You know, I, uh, um, one of the things that came to me is, um, I realized that I have the ability to, I don't know if you call it feeling energy, but, but recognize emotional states, energy in people, you know, yeah. feeling a room, feeling, feeling the way people feel when I'm, when I'm standing next to somebody, I mm -hmm. have an inclination of where they are and, and, and I can feel their emotions and, and what their state is. Um, I tried to explain this to people. I, I thought in my own mind that, that I, I was losing my mind or that I was crazy. Yeah. Uh, one of the programs that I went through, yeah. uh, I actually did horse therapy. Yeah. Equine uh, therapy. Yeah. Equine therapy, right? Yeah. Equine therapy. And, and I was told to go out and stand in the middle of this corral, right? I connected with a horse. First of all, they put you in a field yeah. with a whole, with a whole herd of horses. And, and strangely enough, a horse walks up to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and the horse that walked up to me, I found out at one point in time was, um, he was once the leader of the herd. He was significantly injured. Uh 
Uh, and after he was injured, he was corralled for many, many months. Yeah. Came back to the herd. He had lost the trust of the herd. Oh. Now he was trying to find his way, right? W- w- which was very much my own story. <laughs> um, and, and so as I went into the corral with this horse, you know, I was told to make him walk and canter and move around, uh, you know, just without speaking or moving. Sure. And, uh, of course, I thought that was incredibly silly and I was told, but, but once I grounded myself and I just thought about through my mind, what I wanted him to do, yeah. it just happened. And, and I think when we, that energy that's out there, that whatever that is, um, that's that spiritual element of something that's bigger than we are. Yeah. Well, we all need to do more and, uh, we all need people like you and others to encourage us and have good stories like this to let us know that, uh, Good things can, I mean, good things happen to you when you do good things. You've noticed that. Sure, sure. It just keeps coming back. So I want you to keep yourself in good health. And uh, we look forward to uh, watching your continual growth as a retired Marine. And thank you for your 20 plus years of service. You uh, you were in the middle and thick of it. (laughs) I appreciate it.